friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. It's so good to have you with me today. Look, I'm going to jump in really fast. We do not have time for messing around today. So we're looking at the Bible over these coming weeks on the Making Disciples podcast, coming out of the book that I've had republished called The Bible Book by Book. And one of the things we're really passionate about with the book is making the Bible as accessible as possible. And there's two books of the Bible that do seem to be quite difficult for us to step into and understand. Leviticus and the book of Revelation. And I knew I wanted to explore uh, the book of Re- uh, Revelation. No, I said book of resurrection, book of Revelation. And I've invited today a really good friend of mine and we try to keep it professional and we do try to uh i try to treat dr james harding as dr james harding but i'm going to be honest with you james and i grew up together i grew up wearing his school uniform and uh, he was in my youth group and him and his brother john big 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 influencers in my life in my discipleship my early years formative years as a follower of jesus this guy is somebody that i absolutely adore love and uh, i i know you're gonna love him he's so intelligent it is wonderful i love it and he is a doctor in theology and uh, he doesn't make it very clear in the podcast but look friends he's actually got more than one doctorate he's got more than two doctorates in fact he's got more than three doctorates which is just ridiculous how many doctorates does any human being need so i'm going to interview james today on the book of revelation and I, what i would say to you is whatever you're doing right now expect to listen to this podcast expect to have to come back to it and listen to it again because it really will change the way that you understand and read the book of revelation so let's get straight in here is an interview with my mate james who is going to blow your mind about the book of revelation Dr. James Harding, welcome to Making Disciples. It's so lovely to have you with me today. Lovely to see you, Chris. Lovely to see you. So, James, tell us, how many doctorates do you actually have? Well, do you know, I've got four degrees in theology. Um, I'll be honest, I never completed my second doctorate. I cashed it in for a slightly um, less weighty MCROF research degree, Master of Professional Studies. So uh, bachelor's, master's, PhD, and MPROF research um, degree. James, just, I just absolutely... the fault, Chris. I, I did. I, so you and I grew up together, and uh, I have often talked about you and John really being the, the influential people in my life growing up. And I think it's it's just such a joy to watch friends who love Jesus mm-hmm. growing, flourishing, thinking, and then influencing uh, and educating others. I, for me, it's just such a privilege to have men like you around me in my life. So, dude, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really, really pleased to have you with me. Thank you, Chris. Now, we're going to talk. We're going to talk Revelation. 
when when people think of revelation they often think of a book that they just don't know what to do with like how do you approach this book that looks so illegible but the reality is so the reality is we can end up avoiding it the only two bits we end up quoting is revelation 21 and 22 uh we like that bit the new the new heaven and the new earth I want to have a conversation with you about the nuts and bolts of the book of Revelation. Why why are you so interested in the book of Revelation? You know, I I, I love the book of Revelation because, uh, first of all, I think the book of Revelation is so relevant and so important to anyone who has suffered or is suffering. I think, you know, it's 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 a, the whole book is about it, the central enduring magnetism and appeal of the book is if you are suffering right now and just take comfort take heart the lamb is on the throne the lamb is in charge and the end of suffering is on its way that's the, so, so it's born out of suffering you know in that sense and the comfort that you find therein um i love that about it so let's just look at the first bits of building blocks who hmm. wrote the book of revelation yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it's interesting that we even have to ask this question. You know, it starts off with the words "I, John" in chapter one, verse um, three. Um, we're told he's a prophet, but we're not told anything else. And and the problem, you know, it gets really tricky around about two hundred fifty A.D. when um, you know Dionysius of Alexandria says can't have been John the Apostle because John the Apostle, who wrote the book of Revelation, wrote in this beautiful poetic greek you know anarchy and hologos and hologos across today you don't even need to know any greek to know that john's gospel's beautiful but the book revelation it's it's like really clunky unnatural greek so so uh, you know dionysius starts saying can't have been john uh, that that's where the problem starts um, originating why we're even asking this question and then in the 1970s Collins uh, Deliagro Collins um, and a group come together start looking at apocalypses in general and they're saying um, the one thing we know about all apocalypses is the, the they've got pseudonyms the the name on it's not the person that wrote it therefore apocalypse of John the revelation might not be John so that's the problem but then you know, I think coming up with an answer is really fascinating as well. Yeah. And so the, the belief was it was written on Patmos. Is that, that, you know, how credible is that idea? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because Lucian, the poet, uh, the Roman poets talks about these islands full of our noble exiles, the Dodecanese islands. So we've got this idea of Patmos um, in our minds as this island, barren island. And on the top of it, this this man, John, on his own not true lucian tells us around about the time of the apocalypse around about 95 ad that um which is when i date it that uh, that patmos would have been full of the kind of noble troublemakers that you can't kill so the ones that uh, have got uh, noble backgrounds and the ones that if you kill them it will create a riot mm. um so i class john in that background so actually you know the, that's the eighth church, the missing church. There would have been a church on Patmos when John was there. Why? Because when two or three are gathered, there's a mm. church and John wouldn't have been on his own. There'd have been plenty of noble Christians exiled there with him. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I'm glad you said uh, 
95 AD. That makes what I say in the Bible book by book spot on. So um, I get a tick mark for that, surely. So what do we need to know to understand the book of Revelation? Because it does feel unapproachable. Mm. You know, there's beasts, there's dragon, there's women, there's angels. What, what do we do? What do we need to understand this book? Chris, that's a brilliant question. Before we go on that, I feel like I've raised a problem that I've not answered in terms of authorship. Um, yeah and 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 so in terms of authorship you know i subscribe to the fact that john the apostle john the disciple of jesus john um who was with jesus wrote this book and the reason i can do that is because i see the late dating isn't a problem here we've got john who is um failing of eye and trembling of hand in the spirit speaking his vision out loud and and it's like listen to my nan, you know. It it's because tied to my belt, and the next thing I knew, kind of thing. And and so you've got someone writing down, trying to capture what's he writing, what's he's writing, and he said it's a bit like this. I know it's a bit like this, and it's a bit like that. So you've got this legend of Saint Prochorus who, who who writes it down, and that answers both the question of the late date and the bad greek that dionysius picks up on earlier yeah so it's same same author to john but is later in life that's right and it's something that's been written down probably by somebody else mm -hmm. um that's you know scribing it so actually it's down to their hand and down to what how they write things as well mm -hmm. yeah so yeah so what do we need to know then what do we need to know as we approach this book uh, that will help us understand at least what we do with it yeah well i think i think you need to have a way in you need to have and you need to be when you've got your way into it then you need to be consistent and i'd like to argue that the way into it the clues are all there in the first three verses yeah um you i've know, actually got so, it open in front of me just yeah great okay anything controversial well thank you <laughs> thank you for that um that 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 confidence. Um, sense of confidence and trust <laughs> yeah you know so so when people think about the book of Revelation, how it's been taught and what they've heard and what they've seen, the first thing that I think conjures up in people is the idea of worry and anxiety and uncertainty. But twice in Revelation chapter one, verse three, it says, blessed is the one who hears and blessed is the one who keeps. And so that's the first principle. If the person that you're reading about in a book or listen to on a podcast or listen to a sermon on or watching a, a film about if this is not blessing you makarios if this is not causing you happiness is, is a very good way of translating that happy is the one who you know if it's causing you to be unhappy to be fearful to be worried then the interpretation is wrong you know, and you look at Jesus in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five, blessed, 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 blessed. What does that mean? You know, bless, blessed, are the, the, blessed means to be comforted. So if this is making you feel uncomfortable and discomforted, mm -hmm. it's wrong. Blessed, you know, satisfied. Blessed, they will be satisfied if it's leaving you feeling lacking. You know, blessed are those for they, you know, you'll find mercy if it's leaving you feeling judged, and harshly then it's not a blessing blessing those and they will find peace if it's leaving you anxious you know so so anything that doesn't fit into that paradigm in, in verse three blessed and blessed 
Let me just read that to us because it is, it is beautiful, isn't it? Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take heart. What is written in it because the time is near. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it gives an answer there as well. It's prophecy. You know, what kind of literature is this? Uh, it's prophecy. Um, for anybody who's struggling to understand biblical prophecy, you know, how would you explain what a prophetic text is yeah yeah well i think i think that we want to just focus on something that's exciting and so we see prophecy as future and as predictive and as foretelling and sure there's an element of that but actually there's an another and it's a much stronger old testament vein of prophecy which john himself stands in he sees himself as the last of the great prophets in a, a, a line of prophets and instead of that being future predictive foretelling it's present instructive foretelling it goes like this if you keep doing that something bad's going to happen so it's a moral and an ethical um document that tells us how to live it says if you keep getting in bed with babylon and that's a metaphor for kind of like letting the powers of the world particularly to do with money if you keep controlled by idol of money something's gonna bad something's gonna gonna happen to you so so that's the way primarily i understand this prophecy as as moral and instructive rather than future and predictive that, that's brilliant can we just push into that a little bit then so when whenever i hear someone preaching on the book of revelation is all about the apocalypse mm. at megiddo the you know mm. this end time battle that's going to happen some point in the future when christ will return now is that wrong or can you hold the futureness of the prophecy and the what was the presentness of it can you hold those two together well, um, I, I think we need to hold them together and hold and make it bigger than that, even bigger than that. So some people, they want to say um, they get all nervous about it. So they want to say it's all in the past, apart from, you know, 21 and 22. Hmm. And, 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 and so they want to get rid of any kind of future or present kind of um, fulfillment. And some people get so, uh, you know, so like the 16th century Jesuit Alcazar did that. But then some people project it all into the future because they get all nervous about it. And they say, well, it's none of it's happened yet. You know, may, maybe just the historical bits in chapter two and three in the churches. And, and so the present age is devoid. And, and actually, I, I would want to say that, that when you start um, doing that, mm. then you start saying, well, it's no longer relevant for that person or that person. It is no longer true for that person or that person. So, so I, I'm looking for a way to read it that, that makes it always true and always real and always relevant. And I found that in, the, um, in a picture painted by Joachim Fiore in the year 1199 AD. Mm. And here's where uh, we could go dive into a, a little bit of of the craziness if you if if you're ready to do that i i'm i was born ready jane <laughs> yeah <laughs> glad you didn't say you was born crazy um <laughs> uh, i i think um i think was it john calvin who said the apocalypse either finds a man mad or turns him that way but um um so joachim painted these three interlocking rings a little bit like an you know the um 
Olympics logo a little bit like um, an Audi badge, mm. three rings. And he did this in 1199, uh, so just on that turn of the millennium into 1200. And he said the Book of Revelation is like these three different rings and that they overlap. And in the first one, he put Peter, the time of the father. And the second one, he put Phileas, the time of the son. And in the third one, he put Spiritus, the time of the spirit, or the church. Now, he said that in the Book of Revelation, it's always happening because it all happened in the past during the history of Israel. And it's all happening again during the time of Jesus. And it's all happening again in the age of the spirit and the age of the church. And so we would say the trumpets are the seals, are the bowls. It's, it's telling the same story over and over again in each individual uh, life. So you're saying the book of Revelation essentially is, is like a... Um a recurring narrative that each generation lives through and experiences. Yeah, that's right. Time isn't linear in that classic historical critical historicist view, like mm. uh, the Left Behind series. That happens and that happens. Flip through your Bible, what's going to happen tomorrow? But it's cyclical. It's recapitulatory. It repeats. So it's always real. It's always true. And it's always for you. Okay, that's really exciting. So in that case, are we able to look at it, uh, say two and a bit thousand years ago and see the present, what would have been the present events played out in it? And can we see today's narrative played out in it in the same way that we can see what will ever happen in the future 200 years, whatever it is, played out in it? Are you saying that each generation will experience the same narrative kind of story and therefore it's a warning to each generation um it's well i would say for yes but i'd say therefore it's a comfort to each generation rather than a warning to each generation primarily you know and it's a bit like this with prophecy you know so if someone in the history of israel gives a prophecy we know from the injunctions in Deuteronomy chapter 13 that if it doesn't come true in the prophet's lifetime, it says they're, they're foolish, a dreamer, take them outside and stone them. So, so prophecy has to have its historical past fulfillment. You know, so when Isaiah prophesied something, if it didn't happen in Isaiah's own time, first and foremost, the book of Isaiah wouldn't be in the Bible because he would have been stoned as a false prophet. But then we know that Jesus himself says all of the law and prophets point to me. You know, we've got that a number of times, don't we? And we've got um, in, in Matthew's gospel, uh, but also in Luke on the road to Emmaus, he, he explains how it all points to him. So that's the mm. second element. And then prophecy, Habakkuk 2, verse 3, via the uh, book of um Acts chapter 2, you know, on the day of Pentecost, what's going on? The birthday of the church. The church is mm. born on what day? Well, well they don't, they're like, what's going on, Peter? And Peter says, oh, I'll tell you what's happening today. In the last days, this is going to happen. So the birthday of the church, the day the church was born, was the first of the last days. Now, I know people that are all kind of like, oh, do you think? 
think we're in the last days. I'm like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since the birthday of the church. These are the last days, yeah. you know. So, so it's being fulfilled now as yeah. well. Yeah. Past historical Jesus Christological, we could say Christocentric, and then in the time of the church, in our time as well. Can I just repeat something back to you? that you've i think you've just said that has just really blown my mind if i don't speak it back out i may forget it are you saying then that the prophecy written by john revelation had to have a understanding in john's time so that it could be confirmed that he was a prophet so that it could have a prophetic voice for the future because if he just purely made a prophecy that was somehow for 3,000 years time, he wouldn't be a prophet. He'd just be a madman. Absolutely. And and the scriptures say, take them outside, take no notice of them. They're foolish, they're dreamers, stone them to death. Wow. Wow. That is so, I would often say that, uh, you know, for me, the book of Revelation, it, you know, it, it had its revelation in the past, its present and its future. But I think what you've just said there is just completely... I need to go away and just rethink about how I might even say that because I think you've just given me something to go away and, and really chew on. I mean, I, I think I, I, I push it even further. Um, it's what is this an apocalypse, a revelation of apocalypsis, Jesus Christu. It's an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. What? Who is Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation? Chapter 1, verse 8, um, 11, 17, um, we're, we're told all the time, Jesus Christ is the, I'll start picking this, yeah. putting this together, Alpha Omega, first, last, beginning, and then, who was, is, and is to come. So the way to understand the prophecies in the book of Revelation is to understand them through the person of Jesus. Just as Jesus was, is, and is to come, so the prophecies in the book of Revelation was, is, and is to come. You should teach this stuff. <laughs> Man, I love this. Can we do a bit of a deep dive then? Because often you get asked, you know, Chris, I was just reading the book of Revelation. Who's the beast? Uh, who's the woman and the dragon? Who's the 666? Who's the, who's the, who's the, who's the? Now, what you've just shared with us, actually, we can almost stop asking in some ways, who is the, who is the? Because the answer is, well, at this time, it was this person. Yeah. In this time, it was this person. And in the future, it will be this person mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. to ask that question who is the it's the wrong question wrong question yeah. the right question surely then has to be something like what is the metaphor or picture what is the character mm -hmm. of that person that then can be identified by you know in in others mm -hmm. uh you know so when, if obviously you know the beast what's the metaphor or picture that we're meant to be understanding about the beast chapter 13 for example yeah so well there's two beasts um, but but brief, just before we go on to that, just to make sure this doesn't sound unscriptural, somewhere else in the Bible that I don't know about because that's not my specialism, I think it's in 1 John, it says there will be many anti-Christs. Mm. Yeah, and I think we can apply that to, to this question, many beasts from the land, many beasts from the sea. Um, many Babylons. There's always a beast. There's always a Babylon. There's always a great red dragon in chapter 12. Um, 
so the question is who is the beast is the wrong question who was who is and who and who and and in in my sphere mm. you were right, I, was just right checking, I was checking it is one john chapter two verse 22 who is the liar uh, that is whoever denies jesus is the christ such as a person is an antichrist denying the father and the son yeah thank you and it goes and say there'll be many antichrists yeah. so we we can apply that one in here yeah so so who you know people go oh the number you know you 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 can you can see this Let, let's take the number 666 the gematria the number 666 um and you can go online and do a gematria calculator i think it's called spell gematria. that to us for anybody who's listening going what yeah. is that word yeah what, what is he saying there g-e-m yeah e-t yeah on um g cut that g-e-m gem e-t-r-i-a gematria and this is the idea that numbers have got hidden meanings pointing to ideas hmm. or people or objects so you can use a number as a code name or a cryptogram so we've got 666 there in the book of revelation and and people want to say so so you can go on a gematria calculator there's some online and you will see that basically you know it's whoever Right, I haven't done it today, but I bet you today someone's tried Putin is 666 or something like that. And you can work with this and you can do anything you like with it. And the question is, do you use, because uh, each letter has a number. Uh, but Greek letters, lowercase, have certain numbers. So alpha is one. It isn't, but, you know, let's just go with that. But capitals have got different latin is different and simple and complex hebrew are different so you just keep going until you find out the number you will get there if you try in enough languages with and with enough numbers to letters you'll get chris rogers is the antichrist if you try we've been saying that for years don't bring that up <laughs> don't bring it up again this trump we used to say as um, kid yeah trump you know he was the 666 yeah uh, obama obama 666 yeah. so actually mm -hmm. There are multiple, depending where you are politically, there's one for both of you. Um, but yeah, you, you you can find, you know, I'm sure Putin in some language is got to be coming out as a 666. So Someone the, the danger that. of that is then, then it just becomes everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think it can't be everybody because there's an element of worship going on there. Um, so, the beast speaks like a lamb. Um, and that's interesting because there's an inversion there. It, so it's something that looks a bit Christian, looks a bit okay, mm. looks a bit kosher, um, and forces people to worship him. You know, so that's why if we go to the, uh, the historical understanding, um, the dating of Revelation can be worked out from this number 666 because if it's referring to an emperor, the emperor requires worship as God. Not all emperors did. Mm. Nero did and Domitian did, but in between they didn't all do that. You know, so 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 that puts some caveats on it that someone um, that, and 
someone that restricts freedom, the freedom of Christians in some way. And the mark is about allegiance. Who do you belong to? The saints are marked, but the followers of the beast are marked. And that's a sign of an of allegiance. Who you belong to. So what we're talking about here is chapter 13, verse 8. Uh, eight sixty. Uh, sorry, uh, chapter thirteen, verse eighteen, aren't we? Where it says six six six, the mark of the beast. Now there does seem to be uh, a lot of fear around in some Christian circles for the mark of the beast and this idea of um, being chipped or being tracked and um, or vaccinated. Vaccinated. And there's a danger there that we are reading into the text rather than allowing the text to be read. Mm. Uh, rather than us investigating it, uh, it, you know, we were actually looking for the, you know, we're looking to back up our argument essentially when we do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, what should we do with that 666? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, um, I think people that are nervous about this number 666 need to remember that. Um, in the 1940s in Oxyrhynchus in Egypt, um, a much more old version was found, textual variant called the Oxyrhynchus papyrus. Don't ask me to spell it because it's got an X and a Y in the middle. <laughs> and it says the number of the beast is 616. So, you know, the, the important thing here isn't the number, it's the concept of you could say, you know, where I live in, in, in Devon, how do you know who sheep are in that field and who sheep are in that field? Well, they're marked or stamped or branded, you know, um, so it shows allegiance and who you belong to so um, and who you worship because the same word is being used for those that are marked or sealed uh, as the saints. They're, they're having that happen to them as well. So this is, so so if someone has a microchip and it makes them worship someone else and belong to someone else or you know that's that's the key isn't it really not just that it's a marking or a branding i'm so pleased you're saying this because uh, one of the things we talked a lot on this podcast is that when we read scripture the danger as a westerner we approach every single word to somehow give us facts and truth Whereas actually an Eastern reader, it was much more about pictures. What's the, mm. you know, what is the image that's being painted here? What am I meant to understand this picture mm. as? Um, so what we have, what the book of Revelation is filled with is almost like snapshot pictures that are meant to stimulate an idea in our mind as we approach it, rather than um, the word or the letter or the translation being so important so in other words 666 we're not looking who is the 666 but we're seeing the 666 as a picture message to help us see that character essentially in each generation absolutely chris and the book of revelation tells us that this is correct when we read it you know because um well, well, two things I'd say, you know, I lived in Liverpool for 20 years, like, and the, I like to say, like, the most important word, like, in the book of Revelation is the word like. If you see what I've done there, you know, we forget that the most important, that John says it's like a beast, or like a dragon, or like a this, or like a that. Um, so, so, 
So that's really important to remember. The, the next is, you know, and, you know, not wanting to go too deep, but in, in Revelation chapter, chapter one, it says uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which he has made known. So it tells us how it's made known. Now, the Greeks, by the time Revelation was written, the Greeks have spent 600 years talking about how do we know? Mm. And they've come up with all these different words. Uh, and there's over six, probably six or seven different words in the New Testament for how do we know? And the word there tells us the type of knowing, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the Ido word, which is the kind of empirical, physically see, touch, taste, smell word. It doesn't have the gnosko reasoning, rational, intellectual knowing. It uses this really lovely special word, esimenon, um, esimenon. Now, that's a really unusual word to make known. It's only found in John's gospel in the book of Acts to talk about miraculous signs and wonders. And it literally means made known through signs and symbols, through pictures and metaphors. Mm -hmm. So the literal way to understand the book of Revelation, according to itself, is the Asimonan way, through symbols, signs, pictures and metaphors. Wow. And we miss that because it's simply translated. It's known. Yeah. What do you do with the um, 144,000? That's, you know, people have said to me before, oh, am I, am I one of the 144,000? And I'll say, well, do you have your ticket? Because if you don't, then you're not, are you? <laughs> uh, but you would, you know, what do we do with that picture? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, people generally <laughs> don't like my views on this because you've got two images there with the 144,000. You've got the 144,000 who are dressed in white, who are male jewish virgins and then you've got the great now there's not there won't be too many of those listening to this podcast right uh, but then you've got the great multitude yeah and let's put this back instead of it reading it linear in a line let's yeah. keep going around these loops like this like the olympic logo or the audi logo i would like to say that the 144,000 dressed in white are in a seminum of the great multitude. They are the great multitude. Now, not, not everyone would agree with me on this, but it's consistent because at least I've got a consistent way of reading and I apply my consistent way of reading to every page and every idea. Mm. So the 144,000 have their clothes washed white in blood. I tell you what, your mum, even your mum could not get blood out of, out of a white robe you know, even on a boil wash, you know, and that's that's a lovely irony there as well, washed clean in blood, washed white in blood. But the 144,000, again, we're back to this gematria word that, that we can't take the numbers literally. If we take the numbers literally, we take it all literally and we get in a pickle. But 144,000 is the 12 times 12 times a lot, if you see what I mean, yeah. like exponentially. So it's the perfect amount under the old covenant and the perfect amount under the new covenant, all brought together, washed white, all the same, exponentially. That's beautiful, isn't it? It's you, it's me. Yeah. And what? we don't have to be Jewish male virgins to get in. Because it gets used quite a lot by um, cultish Christian translations. 
you know, are you a part of the 144,000? You know, they come, they come knocking on my door. And uh, we, we often look at them and go, I don't know what, to, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> don't know what to say to you. You know, if a Jehovah's Witness came to your door and said, are you part of the 144,000, uh, you know, who see it very literally as a number, how would you respond to them? I mean, it's a difficult one because because um, really you've got to do this very first stuff we've started doing and say, well, how am I going to read all of it? Yeah. I, I need a consistent way to read all of it, a consistent principle to read all of it. Otherwise, I'm going to read some bits like I want to and other bits like I want to. So so it depends, you know, if they've got time to come to one of my classes and think about the blessedness of the reading of it and the... Um, the a semen and way of reading it and all that kind of stuff. I try to show them that that the number is a symbol of the 12 times 12, old covenant, new covenant, mm. exponentially increased. And um and and that that is you and that is me and we are the ones who are singing the songs that the angels cannot sing the songs of the redeemed. Um oh, it's just so that. beautiful. It's just it so is, beautiful, is. isn't it? Wow, mate, loving this. I want to bring it into something that's applicable and applicable for us. Now, if that last bit wasn't applicable and applicable, that we're all washed in the blood. Um, what do we now do with this in 2022? Apart from try to be uh, diagnosing when the world is going to end and where will the you know the apocalypse be. What do we now do with this? How do we read it as a church? How should we be reading it as a church? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, this is the kind of like where where it lands and where we put it into action. Um, for, first of all, I would say uh, that we should stop that the wider church should stop trying to work out when the end will come. You know, Jesus says, "No man knows the hour." Um, the day or the hour only the father only and actually he goes on to say actually only a wicked and perverse generation ask for those signs to try and work out you know matthew 12 matthew 16 it's a wicked and perverse thing to try and work out those signs of when when it's going to end so what we're left with we live under the reality that the return of jesus could be today not in a fearful way but in a way that makes us say i'm going to make today count and, and how do we make today count? Well, first of all, we make today count by worshipping. But secondly, we make today count by saying, and I'm going to bring as many people as possible with me through evangelism. Mm. There's mm. a starter for one, you know, I mean. Yeah. I think I'm, I, some of the best verses in, in the book of Revelation for me, you know, really do come out at the start in chapters one, two and three. And uh, you know, I'd love to say to the, to the listeners, if you've if you've never read chapters one, two, and three of Revelation, they really do. Um, for me, yeah, it's the church to Lady Decia in, in chapter mm -hmm. three, where Jesus says, "These are the words of the Amen, the faithful, true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, um, that you are neither hot nor cold." And the inspiration for me is, whatever is gonna happen. Whatever the beast looks like, whatever the world, the only bit I can deal with right now is am I going to be hot for Jesus or cold for Jesus? 
uh you know lukewarm is not good enough um, i think i'd want to push that further go on please i want to push it further go on. i'd want to say laodicea um is as is, is um sandwiched in between hierapolis and colossi and colossi is known for its cold life-giving water that flows down from the peaks of mount cadmus whereas hierapolis is known for its hot springs you can google map it you can see the hot springs still and so the water is pumped in um in 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 stone pipes into um laodicea and you can see the nodes where the pipes end and when warm water in the sun goes through those pipes you end up with calcium carbonate now that might sound a bit technical but what do you do if you've got acid stomach you take calcium carbonates rennies mm. so it creates effectively rennies um uh, as, as a sediment now when you drink that what happens when you've got acid stomach and you drink rennies makes you burp and that's actually the historical cultural background there between the hot and cold what it's saying is not just are you going to be hot for jesus but are you going to be hot like hierapolis water which is known to bring healing and soothing and restoration are you going to be like that or are you going to be cold like colossi which brings life giving refreshment which are you going to be but don't be the one in the middle don't be the one in the middle that doesn't do either, but makes you burp. <laughs> oh, James, thank you so much. And I hope those listening today have been inspired as much as I have. It's just so lovely talking to somebody uh, who's lived with this book, investigated, you know, investigated it. And, you, you, you know, as far as I can see, this is just coming straight from your head. Uh, you know, on the back wall, you may have bits of scripture all over the place but as far as i can see this is coming from you because you're living with it james thank you so much for giving some of your time for to help us understand uh what is often a very complicated and misunderstood book um if people wanted if people are listening to you and going gosh this guy is really getting into me with this theology where could they come and hear you speak you know where where do you teach where do you lecture yeah that thank you chris i mean if, if this has just piqued people's interest just as we're literally dipping our toes and i've got a thousand and one things flying around my head where that i'm trying not to say to keep it on track um throughout march 2022 um, i'm doing a series of lectures for holy trinity brompton school of theology so depending on when this podcast goes out um, you could enroll on that. We're spending um, each Monday evening from 7pm in March, uh, looking at this in a bit more detail. And then also, you know, people want to go a bit further, you know, you can enroll on on a course as an independent student, or perhaps you feel God calling you to ministry as an ordinand and train at St. Lighters College, where I do um, an introduction to Book of Revelation in the first year, but then we do t 12 weeks of two-hour sessions on the Book of Revelation uh, in the in in the third year, but that's a lot of work before <laughs> to get to that bit. But um, oh. yeah, yeah, and I mean, I cannot more highly recommend Septimus as well. Um, 
we've had numbers of our guys become students there and it is such a wonderful life-giving place to study theology james thank you so much sorry dr james i'm honoring you uh, thank you so much for giving your time it's been an utter pleasure bless you mate